Welcome Popcorn Junkies. This is uh, the Popcorn Junkies reviewing Eternals, the new Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe film. Now, this is directed by Chloe Zhao, who, as we've said, is the uh, Oscar-winning director of Nomadland. She also directed The Rider before that. Uh, Nomadland, huge fans of. So, you know, there's, there's no doubt as to Chloe Zhao's capacity to tell a story or make really contemplative and meaningful films. And I think the hope and the feeling with this film is that she would bring some of that... Um, I don't know, grown-up perspective, sophisticated kind of scene setting and character development to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think everyone's been curious to see how this could work, you know, whether an art house director uh, landed on top of a, um, you know, a superhero franchise of sorts, whether that would work. And so it seems apt that she was given the task of immortalising the Eternals. Although I'm not a geek about these matters, I do know that Eternals sat as a sort of... Um, slightly sort of sat parallel to the Avengers and all of the standard superhero characters that we know and love. Uh, Eternals was something that was created separately and sort of orbited in a separate way. They are connected, but the Eternals is almost like, I mean, my grab on where the Eternals or Eternals, there's no the, but Eternals sits within the MCU is that really these characters and what's told in this film is in a sense the origin story of the universe. For me, the Eternals are a little bit like in, was it Clash of the Titans or uh, Jason and the Argonauts, where you have those gods, the gods, the Greek gods, the mythological deities sat at a giant chess table, moving the characters of the film around. And so likewise, for me, coming into this film, I thought, right, what we're going to get here is an epic, landscape-driven, um, contemplative, more philosophical film about the layout and the foundations of the world in which characters from the Avengers and all the other characters uh, exist. And in many ways, that's exactly what you get from this film. We've reported on the weekly rushes that it's had one of the lowest Rotten Tomatoes of any Marvel Cinematic Universe film. I think at the moment it's currently sitting at 48%, uh, so it's a proper green tomato. Its audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 81%, but I do know that Metacritic is quite low. So, you know, there are other kind of polling systems that are saying that the, the, the you know, the, the, the judgment of even the everyday viewer isn't really up there. Now, that could be for one of two reasons. It could be because it's too intellectual. It could be that it's trying to do something quite sophisticated in a way. And I do think this is an incredibly ambitious film. I think its heart is in the right place and it sets off to do something, which is very hard when you think of this enormous spaceship of the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe heading in one direction. We're all very used to what we get from those films, which are quippy moments, moments of extreme humour, you know, lots of CGI, lots of obvious villains, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this film has a bit of that, but it doesn't have a lot of that. This is a film that I think is at its best when it was dealing with the philosophical considerations of what it means to be an immortal eternal. I got really lost and confused, and I think there was a lot of exposition in this film. They, they, they had to go to great lengths to explain to us what was going on and, and why these Eternals were where they were and were who they were and why they existed and all this kind of stuff. And then there were lots of what I felt, it kind of got bogged down with the kind of the law or the rules of <clears throat> whatever the source material is. Uh, they can't get involved in human wars, they can't get involved in human tragedy, they can't stop things, not even things as massive as Thanos thinking, clicking his fingers, but they can get involved in issues on planet Earth uh, if they involve these evil creatures called Deviants. <clears throat> so to reiterate, the Eternals sent to Earth by one of the Celestials. The Celestials, imagine that the Celestials are like God, they're like 
a lot of gods. They've been around since God only knows. They're around before Thor's lot. They're just, you know, they're an unknown, they're, they're, their origin is unknown, but they're the top boss. They send the, they made the Eternals because they'd also made the Deviants. Why did they make the Deviants? They'd made the Deviants to eat the major predators on Earth, but the Deviants devianted and then became something that they needed to create the Eternals for to go and hunt. All of this is in preparation for the emergence or something whereby a great big hand and a great big thing is going to come out of Earth and destroy it. So in many ways, this film is also a great analogy for, you know, preserving the, preserving the planet, um, stopping the destruction of the planet, how to do that. It does get contradictory when you think they, they can't do anything about Thanos clicking his fingers and destroying half of everyone everywhere. Um, and I guess there's, there are some limitations even to what the Eternals can do. I found all of that a bit strange. I found it a bit unconvincing. So whilst on the one hand I was like, yeah, okay, let's let's have a think about what's the philosophical, spiritual understanding of this this realm, this world that we've all got used to. And then suddenly I found the rules a little bit kind of, well, why wouldn't you do that? And why can't you do that? And all that kind of stuff. And then the film really, really, this film is a meditation on all of the different characters uh, played by the likes of Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Liam McHugh, Brian Tyree, Henry, uh, Barry Keown, uh, Harish Patel, Kit Harrington, Salma Hayek. You know, all these characters are then kind of philosophizing about what their role is. You know, good and evil kind of is combined in characters. Angelina Jolie's character, good and evil in there. Richard Madden's character, good and evil. You know, Barry Keown, interestingly, I thought was the strongest at kind of cradling the contradiction of we're not supposed to help, we are supposed to help, we can't impact change, we can impact change. I thought he was, personally, I thought he was really good. In many regards, it feels like this is a a launch of a new sort of group of Avengers who are a little bit more holier than thou, who are sort of troubled by more philosophical issues. And herein, and I think all of this is great, and I think all of this is grand, and all of this is ambitious and laudable and all this kind of stuff. I do think that if you, you probably need to know some of this stuff before you go in, and it might be a little bit more rewarding, the beginning of this film, because it's not like any other Marvel Cinematic Universe film. It really isn't. And so... That's all a given, so we've established all of that. I'm settling into a sort of spiritually laden film. I'm, I'm accepting it's gonna be a little bit more philosophical, but then this is the problem I had with it. I don't feel it had the courage of its convictions. It neither went far enough that way, nor did it kind of go far enough into classic superhero fodder for it to be meaningfully either thing. It, it didn't succeed. It sort of was straddling two genres, if you like, within superhero-ness. And for me, fell right down the middle. You know, there were these deviants, these creatures that were revealed very quickly. I thought the CGI throughout was poor. I thought there were in, in, an incredible, there was an incredible overuse of shots of all of our Eternals standing in sort of semicircles or circles, all looking at whether a fight had happened, the consequence of it, looking at something else. They were always standing in such uniform fashion. Now I know why that was. That was in order to give it a sense of, you know, reverence. Uh, a sense of sort of holier than thou, a sort of sense of this is more meaningful than just a sort of, I don't know, a fight in the streets of New York between Spider-Man, the Hulk and Thor. You know, this was this was about bigger things. And as I say, I thought Barry Keown kind of carried that, carried that sort of, that, that, that trauma. Kit Harrington, interestingly, plays the partner of the Gemma Chan character. I forget what she is. Is she Cersei? She's one of the Eternals. And there was some nice riffing there in Camden Town. It was nice to see Camden Town. It was nice to, uh, Kit Harrington. I thought was very good. I thought he, he delivered the comic lines that he had really well. But here's the thing. I had a real problem with the cast. Now, in terms of who I liked and who I didn't like, and when I didn't like people, I really didn't like people. Um, but the strong, for me, the strongest performers in this, the strongest characters in this were Barry Keown's Kumail Nanjiani, 
sorry if I pronounced his name incorrectly, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I thought he was great, um, and Kit Harrington, I thought was great. Angelina Jolie says about one word throughout the whole film. Salma Hayek had a difficult job. She had to be sort of stolid and certain and, and, and strong. But likewise, she didn't really have much to do. She was sort of symbolic. And, I, and this is my problem with the film. Gemma Chan, I'm not, I, she did nothing for me. She, they, she brought nothing to the, to, to the table. There was no charm, there was no depth, there was no warmth. I just didn't believe her. But equally, Richard Madden, I found him, you know, very samey and very unemotional and very wooden. And so given that they're the key characters, Richard Madden and Gemma, Gemma Chan, it was like watching two really boring people bore off with each other. You get your first sex scene in a Marvel film, which is them both making out on a rock. There are lots and lots of scenes, as I've said before, of exposition where they're trying to explain the rules and the appendices and the caveats that mean that they can't rescue this or solve this or do that. And I, I didn't care about that. I just didn't care about it. It bogged it down. I didn't even get a particularly strong sense of scenery. I mean, obviously it was shot in sort of nice-ish places, but there was a lot of green screen used. I didn't really feel that the villain in the piece or the deviants were particularly threatening or particularly unsettling. They just kind of emerged and then it was a case of thrusting, you know, there was, a, there was one scene where Angelina Jolie CGI was all over it and she looked like a little matchstick figure that had been sped up. So there were problems there for me too. Um, but I had, I had profound problems with the script. I thought the script was achingly boring and I think it really didn't know how to inject humour at the points that it needed to inject humour. And I'm not suggesting for a minute it had to be humorous. I mean, look, you know, something like Joker or what what it feels like the incoming The Batman's going to do is... And, and Snyder's The Justice League. You can have these characters that are godlike, but you can still have a sort of, I don't know, a sort of tight script that gives you little just flourishes of relevant humour. As everything in this felt like everything was being... Everything felt fragile and everything was being held and cradled and steered and looked after. And so consequently, there was nothing raw, ragged or real to any of it. And you could say, well, Mark, how do you get real in any kind of superhero thing? But this wasn't really a superhero thing. And I think this is where, in many regards, I don't think Chloe Zhao could have been let loose enough. I think she needed to have been let loose further. I mean, you don't make a film like Nomadland. Uh, and then make a film like this, if I'm honest. You know, I know some people are going to say that they feel this this is everything that I said it, it set out to be at the beginning, and it did set out to be that. And I kind of went into the, into the cinema hoping it would realise it was Jack Kirby, wasn't it, who created The Eternals as a sort of sidebar to the classic superheroes. This is meant to be something more sophisticated, but here's my point, and here's my worry. Just because something is slow, ponderous, big on explanation, low on drama and low on humour doesn't automatically qualify it as a more meaningful superhero film. It can actually signify it's quite a badly structured and poorly executed and quite boring enterprise uh, when actually the job you've got is to kind of get bums on seats and maybe being thought you know being you know being thought provoking absolutely um, and as I say I think it nibbled at the edges of those ideas of what is our purpose are we here to save what are we here to save problems for all superheroes and I thought it took it took us to that place and then I felt it fell completely short uh, this is a spoiler review the best bit in the film for me was the uh, mid credit sequence spoiler 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 so don't listen in um, where, bizarrely, Eternals. this character wanders down uh, a corridor at the end. There's Pip the Troll. Is it Pip the Troll? I thought he was a leprechaun at first. And then there's Harry Styles. Harry Styles playing Star Fox. 
And my theory is that he's clearly, because he seemed quite sort of camp, he had that sort of informality about him that Star-Lord had. And given that we're hearing that Harry Styles has signed a five-movie deal with Marvel, I think he's definitely going to feature in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, everything about this film was too reverential when there was not enough to be reverential about. Too much of this film was too precious and self sort of had a self-importance where that self-importance hadn't been established and that sense of preciousness wasn't justified. Um, and so for me, I think the reason it's getting a sort of ambivalent response from both viewers and from the critics is it was neither one thing nor the other. It was neither a philosophical treatise on superhero-ness uh, and neither was it a superhero film. And so you end up thinking, well, what's the point of this? Because uh, none of us are eternal. We don't have these day-to-day -day problems in our jobs as to whether we should rescue the world or not rescue the world and whether that's our purpose. But then we, I didn't really care about these guys having this job or this dilemma or this problem either. I do think a fundamental problem, and I'm gonna say this much in the same way that I felt with other films, I think the casting is, was a real problem here. Brian Tyree Henry was great. This film has to be lauded and applauded for the fact that it has the first uh, gay relationship in it, totally just ordinarily there, not flagged up, not highlighted, not honed in on, just an ordinary part of the whole sort of framework. I thought that was great. Um, I thought Kumail Nanjiani brought some great humour to it. I thought Harish Patel, the guy who was videographing, videographying everything, I thought he was funny too. As I say, Kit Harrington brought a, a much needed sort of lightheartedness to the present day stuff or the stuff that's in our world, you know, Camden and Primrose Hill. Um, but all in all for me, this film really collapsed beneath the size of its self-importance. It felt it was something it wasn't. Uh, and as that hand started to come out of Earth, it felt like it was going to just crush the entire film. And really, I would say stay for the credit roll because it's one, get this, it's two hours, 37 minutes long. There were moments where the script for me was so bad. I looked at my mum and when I looked at my mother sat next to me, she was like that. I mean, it was that bad at times. So for me, this is the worst Marvel Cinematic Universe film I've seen. Um, and I'm going to have to give it a paltry for the fact that Barry Keown took us to the right place, for the fact that Kit Harrington, bless him, was bringing it down into reality. I didn't care about the lead characters or lead actors at all, at all. It was ponderous, it was slow. I'm going to give it 20 out of 100. And that breaks my heart because I was hoping this would be an incredibly thought-provoking meditation on what it means to have superhero sort of qualities. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.